Hello, and welcome to the Hill and Valley. This is Nick Roby, and we are joined by a special guest and a good friend of mine. This is Donnell Clark. You can He played for Clemson from 2002 to 2006, defensive line, and then he also can see him on the roar. He has done a Friday night football with me and William Quackenbush every Friday night for a while now, I think at least 10 years or so, which is really fun. And then he also can see him on the fifth quarter show with Quack as well when they uh, review Clemson games, talk about all things college football. So who better to talk to about Clemson football than the guy gets to talk about on the radio. So Donnell, thank you so much for being on with me. Oh man, Nick, my pleasure, brother. My pleasure. Yeah. So yeah, we've been wanting to do this for a while. And so, you know, a few things have happened since the end of, you know, Clemson. I mean, it's fine. Like not nothing really that big, you know, nothing, nothing really to dive into. I feel like it was like everything you turn around is something new happening. And then all that's happening with basketball, there's been a lot that's happened. So Donnell and I thought it'd be good since there's so much we could talk about that. And then you got the spring game coming up in a couple weeks that we could just split it into two. So we're going to do a little two part episode for you guys. And so I know many of you are very familiar with, or at least I've heard of some things that have been happening, but I thought it might be a good idea just to kind of put it all in one place and kind of just, you know, now that we're into April, you know, it's, we're definitely into spring practice and just kind of re looking at the season that was, and just kind of, just as we're in this transition phase, what that kind of looks into. So, Donnell, as we as we get into, you know, we're getting into 2023. Um, a lot's happened in the 2022 season. What's like when you think back to the season? Like, what's your big, I guess, like takeaway? Do you have like a word or just like a feeling you have when you think back to last year? Like, what's your like takeaway from the season? I, I just when I think about last season, I just think about some of the opportunities that we had, and you know. Against Wake, team like Wake Forest, we end up, you know, seizing that opportunity. But then you go all the way to the South Carolina game, and you end up not seizing that opportunity when you have the lead uh, against your biggest rival, and you come out and you lose the game like that at home. That hurts. So it was kind of a season that, that there's some really, really high highs and some really low lows. And but I do when I think back to even 2021, uh, I look at the progression that team made. And I mean, I think they, they made some strides last season. There's some players. Uh, I mean, like for me, a guy like KJ Henry came out and earned this stuff some money. Uh, you know, looking back at that season, to me, he was the most consistent player we put on the field. And it was fun to watch that guy progress throughout the season. Oh, absolutely. I think, I mean, you got a guy like Miles Murphy, who is probably going to be the Clemson guy who goes in the first round, and he's got the talent, and, and you could see it on the field. But a guy like KJ Henry, I think, like I think NIL can be painted in all this like bad light, or just ways of not doing it well. And there's definitely things that need to be fixed. I'm not. That's not what I'm saying. But here's a guy who like was a five star coming in, maybe didn't live up to the hype all the way, but he just kept working, kept going, and like you said, in his extra year. I mean, he balled out. He was like the defensive disruptor and honestly was the most consistent, probably the most consistent defensive lineman we had all season. And so, I mean, that guy's going to be, that guy's be playing on Sundays, you know, I don't know if he'll be a starter or not, but he's, he's earned an opportunity for sure. 
Yeah, he's one of them guys that if you give him an inch, he's going to take it. And I look forward to seeing what he does on Sundays. I think KJ, I mean, you go back, we've had some greats at Clemson, uh, especially that defensive end position. You just go the last five or so years and just rattle off the names of a really good college football player. But I don't think anybody got as much out of an opportunity to come back to the Valley their senior year and put out some game film that is ridiculous. I mean, even when you got stars like Brian Brzee and, and Miles Murphy on the same line as you to come out and completely to, to be dominant. I mean, we needed a play nine times out of ten. If I was in the backfield making that play forward, I mean, to me, he looked like the emotional leader of that defensive front. He looked like the guy that had bought in the most to uh, what Coach Easton was preaching to those guys. And I just, I really, I, I get excited thinking about, you know, his progression throughout that season and even the last the season before that, but more so last year, him just taking that step and making himself a household name. Yeah, I, I think absolutely. And I think too, a guy like that is like, I think when you think about like, a lot, it, this word gets thrown around a lot in today's game because it works in some places and then people want to replicate it. But I think of, when I think of like, like when, when coach Sweeney talks about culture or building like, that environment of like that winning that attitude the way of like going about things like when i think of like a clemson guy like a clemson man i think of like a guy like kj henry you know yeah and and honestly the only one of the only thing negative things you can say about him was that he you know was being a little silly on twitter at the end of his year if he was going to come back or not and you know i'm like they're in college. Like they're just being silly, you know? Um, he got me. He was, yeah. He probably was flirting with the idea, you know, but Hey, we got a couple of them back. So, I mean, oh, but, yeah. Hey, I mean, like I'm, I'm, I'm excited for him. And then you got Brian Brzee and you know, there's, there's a lot of talent that's been coming out. And I think it's so interesting when you look back at these couple years for me that I feel like we're going to look back in, in, in a few years from now and, it's funny when you think like, okay, we had a 10 win season and we didn't make the ACC championship game. You still win the cheese bowl. And then you win the ACC, you win 11 games. You have a little bit of sour taste from the orange bowl, but you still made it. I know that's not like, you know, and then some people like that the best is the standard, but I'm like, listen, that's still, you're one of the few teams that can say you've had a 10 win season, you know, since like 2011 It'd be interesting to see, like, with these guys, like, how well they translate to the NFL. But I really think that there's been a lot of defensive players, especially, that are going to translate really well. I think, like, I mean, like, like for example, like, how do you think, like, Brian Brzee will do, like, transitioning to the NFL? And, like, do, like, would you have made that decision if you were him to go? I think you. I think if you're a guy like him, you have to. All the measurables are there. I mean, he's 6'5". He's 300 pounds. He's quick off the ball. He's got good hands. He's got good feet. I mean, he, he has the production. Uh, and, and, you know, going back to his family situation, you know, losing your sister, so not necessarily being able to be putting football in a perspective that he's probably never had to have it in, in his life. Missing games, fighting through that to come back from injury from last, the year before. Um, I think a guy like Brian Brzee is going to be one of those guys that you look up and he'd been in the league for 10 years, uh, made a couple of all pros. Um, if, if he's put in the right system, uh, I think he's a guy. I think at times last year he played a little too heavy. 
I think he got up around the 310, 315 mark. And I think he's a guy that should be playing around the 285, 290 mark, playing like J.J. Watt. That's a guy you can literally – and J.J. Watt's the great, one of the greatest to ever do it. But he's built like J.J. Watt. He's a guy that doesn't need to try to – if you want to get him fat, get him all the way heavy and put him as a, a nose guy. But I would have that man slim and trim at about 290, 295, and a three technique and tell him to go get the pass rush. You know, go get quarterback. You put your hand in the dirt, get you a good get off and get into the backfield. Uh, unless you put him in three, four, then he's a guy that can play that five technique and still be productive for an NFL team. I think a guy like five, I think he'll be a 10 year NFL guy. Yeah. No, I think so too. And I think of like, I mean, I wouldn't even say like an Aaron Donald because like Aaron Donald's like not as big as, as even Brian is, but like, it just goes to show you that you don't have to be like the biggest guy at the nose tackle, like a Dexter Lawrence, even like, I think those are two different styles. And um, I don't know. I'm just also like, when you think of like, you have a guy like a Nick Eason who played in the NFL for a long time and he knows how to get you there and, and know what to do. I, yeah, I think, it's hard to blame him, you know? I mean, and then you think of no. just all the, the medical stuff for his family too, you know? And I just, that'd be really hard to pass up. And it's just, it's life-changing money. Yeah. Oh, it is. And you think about, you know, this conversation I've had with a few people. I know you get a scholarship to go to college to try to get you a degree, right? Uh, but is anybody going to tell, uh, what's the guy that owns Facebook? Uh, Mark Zuckerberg. Anybody go tell mm-hmm. him? Hey, you need to go back to Harvard and get your degree or go start your company and do exactly what you want to do in life. So I'm all about getting a degree. I got one of them. Uh, but at the end of the day, you're only 20 to 30 for that 10 year stretch. You know, your body's not going to last till you're, you know, almost 40 like me. You've you got to take advantage of an opportunity when it presents itself. Uh, you know, we all in the workplace, aren't going to, you know, if a job comes and offers us double our salary or triple our salary, in his case, you know, life-altering money, generational money, I'm not going to, I love where I work right now. But if the sanitation company calls me and tells me they're going to pay me life-changing money, I'll be out here picking up trash on the side of the road every day for the rest of my life with a big old fat smile on my face. So people that say he needs to come back to school for his education, he can always go ahead and get that thing. That degree, like schools aren't going anywhere. The NFL, you're limited to when you are, you have an opportunity there. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. I, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to pass it up. Um, okay. So just like switching gears a little bit, but just continuing to, to go from last year, we're, we've been talking about defense a lot. Um, offensively, I feel like that was the big, that was a big talking point last year. You know, yeah. because, yeah. you know, you have this thing where it's like, I even was looking it up. Like the, the stats aren't like, like, it's not terrible. You know, you go from, I mean, last year they scored 33.2 points per game. It's 30th in the country and they gave up 20.9 a game. So 22nd in the country. So not bad. Not what, not what Clemson is used to. And it didn't, I would say a lot of it came across as like a feel for it. It was a feel of like it's not quite like you couldn't just go up and get like score points quickly like you're used to, yeah. you know. Offensively, you might be surprised. They average 410 yards a game, you know. 
Oh, yeah. And passing was 232, running was 177. So, again, it, it's better. I feel like this is the theme that came across for me. It's like it's better, but it's not quite where it needs to be, you know? And I think mm-hmm. it's such a nuanced thing that's sometimes hard because you're like, I want to be all the way better. And so, one, I guess, what's your take on, I mean, the big, I guess the two big takeaways, I feel like two from this offseason was the hiring of Garrett Riley and making a change, an offensive coordinator um, from Brand Streeter, who's been with the program and is a Clemson guy. And then two, the DJU transfer. So, yeah. I mean, just what's your, I mean, what's your takeaway from the whole Garrett Riley thing? I mean, as a, as a fan of Clemson, I'm excited. Um, dude, I, I absolutely hate that it happened to a guy like Brandon Streeter. Cause like you say, they don't come in to tell from Brandon Street. You know, that's a, that's a Clemson man through and through. Um, I, he was a DA when I was there. So I've known him for a long, a lot of years. Uh, I just, I credit Dabo for having the guts to go out and make a hire like he made. Uh, you're mm-hmm. looking at Gary Riley as one of the top coordinators in the country. He's an innovator. He reminds me, you know, a lot of what we all felt like when Tad Morris came to Clemson. And we're like, uh oh, this is something new. You know, this is, this is like that new Ferrari that just rolled off the assembly line. And now we got Sammy Watkins. We got new cop because we got guys like that in an offense mm-hmm. where it's going to show off their skill. Where sometimes with the, you know, last couple of years, it's felt like our offense was running in mud. Um, I, you know, you hate to say that, but it, it's true. We really didn't have an identity. Um, it, it, we really became predictable on the offensive side of the football. And our talent is what got us to a lot of victories that we probably shouldn't have had, uh, when it comes to the offensive scheme. Uh, but even you, know, you look back at it, we did the most of what we could. Uh, man, but I'm super excited to see this new Ferrari roll out of that assembly line and see what Coach Riley is going to do for this offense. And then to see some of the kids in this offense, some of the kids that I felt like played a little bit out of position, you know, coming to an yeah. offense where it's going to exhibit their talent. I mean, last year, what, about halfway through the season, we're like, oh, wow, we got tight ends. <laughs> you know, we forgot that we had tight ends on the field. DJ started finding them, um, you know. Coach Riley's a guy that's going to spread the football out. He's going to get the football to the open man. And then we have a quarterback like Kate that can give him the football. And his his mental psyche hadn't been, you know, destroyed. And when sometimes you felt like DJ, and I love DJ too, he's a Clemson guy. But you felt like from time to time, mentally, he was struggling with the game on the field. Um, you know, he, he did some things. And sometimes the offensive line didn't hold up. Uh, sometimes they were stacking a box. They couldn't run it, but he did some things that early on in the season, it was pretty good. <coughs> Sorry about that. Um, and it, but when his confidence got started waning towards the end of the season, he went back to reverted back to what we saw, uh, a year ago. So, I mean, I, I, I'm happy for him and he found another college to go play and, and give his senior year a shot, um, because he, he understood. The, the world we're in right now to where it's going to be tough to beat out Kate. You know, with his performance in that North Carolina game and the championship, it's going to be a real hard situation to come out here and pull that young kid on the bench because 
all coaches will tell you, if the, old, if the veteran and the freshman are on the same level, you got to go ahead and play the freshman. You know, it's an open competition, so there's a problem. So I'm excited. I, I really am excited. I'm excited that Dabble had the guts to make a move like that. You know, that that's one of those things where when we were all, you know, talking, I was talking amongst my friends and stuff like this. Hey, it'll never happen. Yeah, <laughs> like to, to get people from within. But then you start seeing all the rumors on Twitter and all that stuff. And and they say, I know I see them at the basketball game. I'm like, yep, let's go. Yeah. No, I think it's, I think it's well said. I, I think you, you put that really well. I, I think it was one of those things like this, the move, the move last past year felt like a culmination of just some change. It was just time to make some changes and it just happened to be Brandon Streeter was who was there. You know, I think you could just kind of see it and almost, it almost goes through a credit of how good guys like Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne were that they could cover up some of these things that we just, you just don't know what you don't know yeah. because of how talented they were and they could just go make plays and versus not saying like DJ or any of these other guys aren't, I think it's just like, in, in, in that changing, it's just some things were starting to reveal themselves. And then I felt like Clemson just couldn't, I don't even get, get out of its own way, but just like, it just, yeah, like you said, it just was stuck and it just was, mm-hmm. it was just time for a change. And almost like, uh, Richardson, you know, the tight end coach, he, he, he and the passing game corner, I thought he put this in a really good way when they were talking about off season is that the difference was like last year, Last year, he was doing it as where they were just trying to take away things out of the playbook to make it less complicated. And then they realized in the middle of it, it's just like, we just kind of need to start over. And it's not either one's bad. It's just like, it's if we're needing to do this much to make it simpler anyway, it might just be time to make that really tough call. And so that's what makes it interesting, too, when you think about like the different mindsets. I almost feel like this year going into it feels a little bit more proactive and last year was almost like assessing like what was happening, you know, and all the transition. Cause I didn't mind, um, Streeter being named offensive coordinator. You know, I really thought it wasn't like a bad hire per se. I think almost as more of, he just kind of was the guy who just happened to be in charge. And when you have to make a move and almost was more saying it was more like, I was impressed. Like you were saying that, that Dabo went out and went to go, get like a Garrett Riley, you know? I mean, so I also would say too, I don't know if it's going to 100% like change overnight into being, you know, Sammy Watkins streaking on the sideline. And then you got all these guys going, you know, like I'm saying, maybe let's hold on from that. And I think let's, let's set, we can get into that in the next episode and set a little bit more like healthy expectations. But I think fitting a little bit more to the personnel, um, and just the natural way they will spread out space, I think, will let guys just go make plays. And I think that's the biggest, mm-hmm. a little bit less thinking. You know, I feel like there's yeah. a little bit too much thinking and just making it less complicated. Um, so for a guy like, I'm just curious too, how do you feel with D- DJU at Oregon State? Like, do you feel like that's a good fit for him or just like, it's on the West Coast. It's interesting. He and his brother are going to be at rival schools. I feel like that's a very interesting yeah. aspect yeah. of this. But um, I don't know. I'm just curious. Like, like, have you thought any about the fit for him up there? So I have a little bit. I just think for me, 
uh, DJ is a more of a pocket passer, right? Mm-hmm. I, I feel like we try to turn DJ into a more athletic guy than what he actually is instead of playing to his strengths. I think for me, when I look at a guy like DJ, I look at a guy with a cannon for an arm um, that can, he can break tackles because he's a massive human being. Um, but I don't look at DJ as a guy who, if it's second and eight or third and eight, that is going to scramble consistently and pick up the first down. I mean, when you saw Trevor break the pocket, Trevor actually has some speed. May not look like he's moving all that fast, but he's 6'5", lanky, and can move. When you saw uh, Deshaun break the pocket, mm-hmm. another athletic guy that can move. Um, you know, he's sneaky fast. Doesn't have to be a 4'3 guy. Or anything. He didn't have to be Lamar Jackson or Michael Vick. Um, but you can't be Peyton Manning scrambling. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, DJ is a – he, and by no stretch of imagination, I'm trying to say DJ is the kind of athlete that Peyton Manning was because he's a much better – I don't think Peyton Manning could run a 40 if his life depended on him. Um, you know, fast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he could probably run with him. He ain't going to be very fast. Uh, but DJ – is a guy who I, I wasn't a big fan of him running. I understood why he ran him. Um, I understood a lot of times DJ got going once he took a big shot. You know, it kind of settled him down a little bit. Mm-hmm. But I, I think we we turned a more of a pocket passing guy who, let's face it, he's 260, 250, 260. Instead of the model being more like Big B and Roethlisberger, it was more like a more athletic yeah. And so I just don't think that he was a good fit for the style of offense we tried to get him to play it. On top of following the man that followed the man, you know, in that chronological oh. uh, timeline, you know, the expectations for DJ were through the roof. I mean, they were already on the moon when he landed here at Clemson. He was in that he was supposed to be the next guy to be the greatest quarterback in the history of Clemson. Um, and those are high expectations. Not everybody can, can handle that mentally mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. because the game is played a lot between your head, between your ear. He's got all the physical tools and it wouldn't surprise me if DJ wasn't in the NFL for 10 years. Um, if he works on a couple things, he gets in the right offense. Uh, he's able to show off his, his cannon for an arm. Um, he improves his accuracy a little bit. Um, he gets around, let's face it, some receivers, that don't drop as many balls. I mean, there's a couple games where, yeah. you know, I, I went on the radio station and we, we talked about how where he was putting the football and his receivers just not catching it for him. Um, it doesn't matter how much coaching or how great of a, a quarterback you are, if your receivers can't catch the football, you're going to look like trash. And I think some of the games that we had some receivers that had a case of the drop to. Um, they started playing a little bit better at the end of the season. Which you expect, but I think DJ will be just fine. I, I think, um, you know, I appreciate everything you did for our university. He's a part of the brotherhood, you know, that'll, that'll never change, even if went to Oregon, uh, Oregon State. Um, but I, I'm hoping the best for the kid. 
Yeah, I think I think him being out of the lime. I don't want to say Oregon State's not in the limelight, but just like you're back on the West Coast, it's a little bit more familiar. It's at that smaller like I would say a little bit more of a remote feel. I could see him like just doing well in that environment, and also too just wanted to. I feel like I've said this before, but at least just again publicly just say like I've just really appreciated how and I know how like well he handled all of this. Like he just handled all of Absolutely. it, I thought, with a lot of class. And and you're right. I don't it, it cannot be understated how tough of a position it was to be the quarterback that followed Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence. I mean, we're not gonna forget, but the guys who each have a national championship to their yeah. name and were it's been finalists. You know, it's just that's oh, yeah. that's really hard to follow. And I'm sure he would tell you he didn't play all the way that he wanted to. You know, this is not how we saw this going. But so I'm I'm of course rooting for him. I just think like, yeah, I think that's part of the things we're getting at is I think that some things are working and you can and some things just weren't all the way quite right. And I think sometimes it's just better for a new opportunity. And you're right. Like some of the receivers were just not making catches. I think some of the offense was designed. We had gotten a little bit into the, you know, playing a little bit more of the out route or like going down the field and we weren't able to go across the middle as much. And I know, but you have to have got guys you feel like you can count on in that. And then, um, so that just wasn't, and then we had a lot of injuries at the wide receiver position. We did. We did. And, and also there's little things like, I know they've talked about on the radio, but like wide receiver blocking, like, you know how many times we do like those bubble screens the difference between two yards and a 10 or 12 yard gain is, is the other wide receiver block. making a good block. Yeah. And that's right. a 10 yard gain versus a two yard gain, you know? And so, and that's, and, and Clemson's offense, I think like the passing game is going to be the focus, but I, what I, what I like going into like with back into the Garrett Riley aspect of this is that it's going to spread out the defense. I think that's what made TCU so good is that it spread people out, and then you have like a Quentin Johnson on the outside. But they had their running back had seventeen hundred yards and like double digit touchdowns. When Clemson's offense was its dynamic years, it was actually the running game. I mean Wayne Gallman, oh yeah, the Wayne train, yeah, like the first oh, yeah. number nine. You know we're gonna remember. I mean, <laughs> like. Um, I'm actually surprised. Will Shipley was number nine in high school. I was like, we're gonna have another number nine, and he just went with number one. But um, I, that's it, it's the spreading out of the defense, and then you can pick them apart in the passing game. I think actually that's what made it so dynamic, and I think that's why I could see Clemson trying to go after quarterbacks into the future, like you're saying, that are a little bit more of the dual threat with their legs in like a scrambling kind of a way. Because it just adds that dynamic that Clemson, when Clemson does well, they hold off on that and then can make add that part of their running game, you know, as we get into like down the stretch. But and also, I just like that a, a big factor when I'm hearing from Garrett Riley, just when I've been, you know, just checking in on things is that they really want to utilize the middle of the field and just hearing how, um, Oh, yeah, yeah, just hearing how, uh, like, Cal Richardson, he used some of that in a similar way and just the similar kind of – it's like an air raid. I don't know how exactly I would describe it. It's like an air raid, but it's not just, like, all, like, gunslinging as, like, they would do at Mississippi State or Texas Tech, like, you know, yeah, those yeah, kinds of schools. Yeah. Um, I guess just, like – are there any other, like, take – I mean, as we're kind of, you know, starting to wrap up just, like, a recap, you know <laughs> – 
are there any other takeaways like like from we haven't even talked about Kate Klubnick that much, but like guys like Kate Klubnick and just offensively, like are there things you're just kind of looking for from them as we're in this transition phase of like what like what's taking a next step for them? Yeah. For for me, I, I look at a guy like uh, let's go with Will Shipley. Well, let's go mm-hmm. with running back. Um, I feel like we know we have that position. Mm-hmm. I feel like we know we have uh, Shiflin. We got Moffa back there. We got a good, a very good one-two pump. Uh, would I like to see a home run hitter? You know, they brought in from somewhere else. Sure, I'd love to see a, a, a little speed back come in and and be able to take a swing route and take it to the house. Uh, but do we need it? No. Do we need uh, anything other than what we have? I think we need to find some receivers that are going. The receivers have to be more consistent. Um, a guy like uh, God, it, it slips my mind. The kid that came on in the championship game. Oh, uh, just, Turner. Uh, yeah, Turner. We need a guy like that. We need a slot receiver. Uh, when you go back and you look at the Sammy teams and the the Nukes teams and all these last few teams we've had. Mm-hmm. We've had a slot guy. You're talking about because Riley likes to control the middle of the field. Uh, you can you do it one of two ways, tight end or a slot receiver. I think mm-hmm. we've been missing a slot receiver for the past yep. two seasons. We have not had that guy, your Amari Rogers or anybody like that that you can put in there, your Hunter Renfro, that's going to catch every ball that's thrown at him. And if you miss a tackle, they're hitting their head on the goalpost. Um, mm-hmm. I think – we try to uh, put some guys that just physically wise, you, you wouldn't think of being a slot receiver in the slot to try to take advantage of a matchup. But that's a, that's a different kind of animal there being in the slot and, and controlling the middle of the field because uh, let's face it, you're going to get hit if you go across that middle. You know, and I know there ain't too many receivers that like getting that helmet put in the middle of their chest all game long. Um, but we, you have to have that. And, you know, the way we did with DJ struggling a little bit, we never really attacked the underneath. We never had a guy that we could put out there and say, go win on a slant route consistently. You know, every single time you got to win that slant route. You got to get across that guy's face and be ready to catch the football and either get down or get upfield. One or two. So I, I think. That's where we have to go, and that's what I'm most excited about with Coach Riley is seeing who we develop in the slot. I think a guy like Antonio Williams, it, it would be perfect in there. You know, he's a guy that's been consistent. He's been the best receiver on the team the last couple of years or last year. Um, mm-hmm. I, I'd love to see his progression. Um, I want to see him be that guy that controls the pace of that offense. Uh, he's a matchup nightmare. What are you going to do? You're going to pull a linebacker out there? Uh, then great. We'll run Shipley up the middle. We'll run Moff up the middle. Um, and that's what an offense like what Coach Riley does is it forces you to make a decision. You play an extra linebacker or an extra DB. If you play an extra DB, you can't cover. Or a linebacker, you can't cover. So an extra DB, you can't stop the run. And we have to be good at both. Yeah. No, I think so too. I think definitely running back is – the passing game is going to be the focus, but I think running is going to be a strength of this team, especially when you have the two headed monster for sure. So, well, that is, a, I feel like a great place to put a pause in it because 
there's a lot to talk about in the spring. And, you know, let's just do a whole, we're, we're just going to do a whole nother part two of that. So y'all, you, uh, thank you so much for listening to part one and part two with our conversation with Donnell. We will get into continuing of just like all the spring game conversation, what we're looking for, what we're looking for in the spring game. I mean, there's so much coming with that. And so let's just do a whole nother Let's just do a whole other episode, you know? So why not have two things in this week? So, all right, y'all. Thanks, Donnell. And um, yeah, and for now, we are signing off.